you don't know it by now, I can be a bit controversial on how I handle my business and in how I coach other designers about their business. Running a design firm or any small business for that matter is not a one-size-fits-all wrapped up in a pretty bow. It's about building the framework from the ground up and having a solid foundation that will make it recession-proof. The Design Paradigm is a comprehensive and powerful coaching program for interior designers wanting a challenge and looking to grow. It has epic twists and turns in the way you might think about business. If you are a little rebellious in thought, want to win it, avoid groupthink, don't care what others are doing, and want a sustainable business over the long haul that makes you stand out, then the design paradigm is the right place for you. We will be a partner in reimagining and refocusing your business from the ground up. Find out more at theinteriordesignparadigm.com. Being transparent means setting forth pricing, terms, and deliverables in a clear, and a concise agreement, not inviting a client to ride shotgun in your dang business office. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. Join host Cheryl and Liz, the visionary and integrator balancing all the moving parts of a full-service interior design firm. Get ready for a wild ride as they challenge the norms, challenge the industry, and challenge you with damn good truths about what success looks like today. Now your hosts... Hello, design world. Welcome, welcome. Another day, another dollar in the world of interior design. We have a bit of fun for you today with a most compelling cooking lesson. That's right. We're going to have a cooking lesson today. Yeah, it's going to be good. Before we, well, Liz loves to cook, so that's why she likes, she's very excited about today's lesson. But before we jump into it, people seem to like hearing a lot about our day-to-day, and thank you for all the kind comments, the reviews, all of that. I very much appreciate it. Liz appreciates it. It's really great when you have a new podcast and you have people supporting you, and taking just a second out of your day to give us a review or a rating really means a lot to us. It's just one of those those little things that doesn't cost you anything, but if you like it, if you don't like it, then just don't say anything at all. But if you like it, we really enjoy, uh, well, that's what my mama taught me. What can I say? Yeah, but it's, right. but if you do, then give us a rating. And we really do appreciate that truly from my heart because I think it, it, uh, it does mean people have to take a moment out of their day and, and you're with us for half an hour here. And apparently people are staying with us, um, according to Tracy, you know, at a longer period of time. So that's really good. I really like to, to hear that. And um, anyway, so for, for let's, let's talk about a little bit just for a second, our day-to-day, Liz, because I think people do like hearing about that. And other, for me, other than Liz and I's marathon Zoom call, which was really great though, Liz, because I felt like you really were right there in the room with me because we were on the phone for probably three hours um, after we did a podcast episode going over stuff know, and all that helps. sort of thing. Yeah, it's good. But it's been a week of working on some new product options for clients. Um, Libby's got some really awesome things ready for our New Orleans client that we are so mm. excited about. This is a, a really cool apartment above a iconic bar in uh, New Orleans. And so we're super excited. And I was thrilled to show to look at all that with Libby and Liz. And then also for us, we go from that, we swing from that, y'all, because <laughs> remember, we're in a small town, okay? I will never claim us being luxury clients, although that apartment in New Orleans is going to be pretty kick butt, I can tell it you. Will be, but yeah. the other yeah, it really is. I mean, Libby's really done a great job with at some of the things that she's added to the to the mix too. But um, but also we're swing from that to this sweet darling darling little cottage in uh, North Hill that is so cute. And the the client is like I fell in love with her. Have you ever done that where you've just you you go on an initial consult and you're just like I just want to take you home with me. You are the cutest, sweetest 
greatest person, such a great sense of humor, such an ideal client for us. And we are going to bust our butts for this lady because she is just one of those kind of people that you bust your butt for. And, and so anyway, Libby's come up with some darling ideas. Like you guys would love this because they are both uh, really sweet and, and quaint and cottage. And who doesn't like to do that, right? You know, you get and let me tell you something, it ain't white, it ain't gray, <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. something that you you know see every day on Instagram, it's just a sweet little kitchen because the kitchen is so tiny and we're really excited about that. I think uh, it's, it's, I love going, that that big swing is really fun. So Liz, what share something about, I, I don't even know what you're doing all day long. I mean, you are doing things, right? Like, I mean, you are yeah. doing stuff there, right? We've in got um, lots of cabinetry in the works right now. We've got a great kitchen and lounge um, remodel that we've been desperately, desperately waiting to get underway. Um, there were a bunch of structural details that had to be dealt with in the house, but that's finally, finally starting install and hopefully will be templated for countertops next week, which I'm very excited for. And then um, we also have doors and drawers getting ready to be painted for our wrap-up project downtown. So that'll be nice to finally have those cabinets closed up and looking pretty. Let's say, though, so, it's, they're painted, not painted on site. Randall's getting ready to put oh, them in yeah. the paint booth. That's like a yeah. pet peeve of mine, so I wanted to make sure. Yeah, they've all, they all just shipped and arrived, luckily, every last one of them. So hopefully they all fit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lots of that kind of stuff going on. And then we have a client who um, we've actually been working with them for quite a bit, but um, we're finally going to be working on getting an install date set because they wanted to rehab two of the other bedrooms in their condo um, on the beach. So lots of window treatments and getting some really great natural fiber rug samples situated with them for carpet replacement mm -hmm. all that kind of thing. Cool. So we're plugging right along. Yeah, we need a sidebar on that one because I'm not aware of that one as much as I am everything else going on. But it's, it's the day before market, and um, I probably shouldn't mention that in the podcast, but I'm going to anyway, because what the heck. Uh, and so it's kind of crazy, crazy. And um, by the time you listen to this, it will probably be passed, and hopefully I have seen you and be able to send hello and all that sort of thing too. But, um, but it's crazy. I, don't, I just think it's crazy, especially when you're taking your whole entire team. But let's get to it. Let's get to it. This story, this cooking lesson, I should say, is what I am now calling disruptive imagination. I just really like the sound of that, disruptive imagination, okay? So what is the most hijacked word in our industry? Okay, I can't hear you, so I'm gonna spill it. Transparency. What exactly does that word mean? I hear it a lot. I bet you guys all hear it a lot too. I, I just, it's ubiquitous uh, if you're in Facebook forums and things like that or, or at market and people are talking about it. There's just, it's a, it's a very well-used word. Um, but what exactly does that mean? And it's a popular topic about, uh, about you know, designers in general, you know, and, and some people think that opening up the back end of their business, you know, your actual financials, um, and, and also, I might add, often violating certain vendor terms and conditions, depending on the vendor and the process of doing that, opening that up to your clients has something to do with being what is termed transparent. And I beg to differ. But now, folks, you guys can run your business any way you choose. That's fine. It's, you know, if it works for you, if it ain't broken, then don't worry about fixing it. That's my motto. But this is what is great about owning your own business, that you can run it. You get to decide. But this is what is great about having your own podcast. You get to talk about <laughs> things that you want to talk about, right? You know, but this is not in my top 10 of good ideas. 
No. And I think you've ingrained this in us from a very, very early standpoint, you know, everyone on the team that it's really, really important to be able to understand the type of business that we're running, the type of service we're providing and being very clear on our processes, because those are the ways that we can sell people on a great service. And that's how we're transparent with them. Yes, exactly. So whether you're a designer with a showroom or studio or work from home, your bedroom or your she shed or whatever the heck, you know, what you owe your client and really any business is what they owe their client is to explain what you charge, why you charge and when you charge when it comes to pricing. Okay, so now let's get into the cooking less. That's right. For those of you who know me who might be grinning right now, it is the infamous cake story. Some of you may have heard this before, um, but it's always a tasty cake. And for truth in advertising, I am really not much of a cake baker. I mean, Liz is really the baker in the little in detail family here. Um, it's not me. I can do muffins and things like that. I can do cookies, but cakes are tougher because I don't know. It's just, I mean, I just you don't make them follow the like recipe. This. Well, yeah, and I don't, I don't like recipes for things like that, <laughs> but I do. My grandmother, Mary, very, you know, just like, like she's been long since gone, had a famous version of a Texas sheet cake. So I can make that because it doesn't have to be pretty, you know, Texas sheet cakes, you just, they're just, they're just really, really good and gooey and just good, you know? So I can make, I can bake and make a mean Texas sheet cake, but the rest of it's not so good. But here is our cooking lesson, okay? And it is going to assume that I can bake. So here we go. I bake a cake for sale. A customer wants to buy my pretty cake. Oh, life is good. I tell them the price of the cake. I tell them about all the reasons this cake is so good. Marketing is my thing, so I tell them why the cake is gonna make their mouth water and blow their diet to hell and back, and boy, is it so tasty. They will just die a little bit right there on the floor. It is that good of a cake. Okay, remember what I said about disruptive imagination. So those of you who know I can't bake, you just go with it a little bit. I do not make them jump through a ton of hoops, AKA detailed questionnaires, simply to talk to them, or talk to me rather, about buying my cake. I make it really super easy to buy my cake, however pricey the cake may be. I tell them when the price of the cake must be paid, and that would be before I deliver the cake, of course, right? I will tell them the key main ingredients I use to make the cake briefly but not how much of any one particular ingredient, nor do I tell them how I made the cake. And not going to divulge that we use just a tiny little bit of cinnamon sometimes in our cakes, especially if it's a Texas sheet cake, I use just a little bit of cinnamon. You know, no siree, that is what we call proprietary information. The recipe for the cake is not actually part of the sale. The responsibility of the consumer though is making sure that I am a good cake baker. And they can do this by vetting my reputation with others. They can look at the previous cakes I have baked and they can decide if my special cake is the one they actually want. That's, you know, the great thing about the world, right? You get to decide if that's what you want or not what you want. It is also their business to know the price for the cake and the terms of the sale, but not the cost of what I pay my team of cake bakers or how much my bill is for the clever little boxes we put the cake in or my advertising budget or my electric bill. You get the idea, right? The triple layer with raspberry cream, that's a showstopper. It's more pricey than the double layer with buttercream frosting, but hey, Anyone who is willing to pay the price can have one of my cakes. Once the consumer agrees to my price for the cake and my terms for purchasing the cake, then we have what my dad, the attorney, would call a quid pro quo. That quid pro quo is the agreement between the cake baker and the customer. The customer does not get to come back later and say, well, I thought the raspberry cream version would be less spendy because there is a sale today at the grocer on raspberries. 
nor does the consumer get to take home the secret masterpiece recipe either. This is my cake business and my recipe, and no one has to buy my cake if they don't like my pricing or my terms. We can't stay in business by giving away our recipes or making adjustments to the base costs that keep us in business. Just think about that for a minute. Okay, let's now talk about that word transparent again. I am being transparent by setting the terms for buying my cake in a clear, concise, cogent agreement, right? With defined deliverables, and I'm explaining it, why is it such a great cake for this price, and how my special cake is going to benefit them. It's imperative, you know, in your contract, your scope of work, LOA, LOA, you know, whatever it is that you do, it's very, it's imperative to state the what, the why, the when, you know, that sort of thing of the terms of selling your cake. What is missing from many proposals or LOAs to clients is the why. So why do we charge a flat fee? Well, we tell them. Why do we charge a minimum expenditure? We tell them. Why do we charge hourly for project management? We tell them. Why is all of this the best way to approach their specific pain points? We tell them. Why is all the above going to result in experience like none other for you, Mrs. Client? We tell them. Why are they going to love us? We tell them that too. We tell them all of this in our scope of work so they understand and it's all covered in our price. Too many designers focus too much on the minutia of making the cake or how pretty the picture of it looks on Instagram, how they crack the egg so carefully, how the butter sits out at room temp before they use it, how under no circumstances can the consumer ever text them when the cake is in the oven, as God forbid the cake baker cannot turn off the dang phone. You know, all those kinds of things that people put in those LOAs or in their welcome, you know, packet in air quotes, because I don't, packet's another word I don't like. The process of making the cake is important. Of course it is. But the real truth here, hiding in plain sight, is for most people, For sure, the ideal people you want to work for simply want to enjoy the experience and enjoyment of eating that cake. And make no mistake, that's a huge part of what is being sold in any kind of product that is like our. It just is. But what the consumer is not buying is the butter, the flour, the sugar, the vanilla, the raspberries. Those are raw pieces. The magic happens when the cake baker puts it all together. Of course they want the cake delivered to them as promised, on time, good quality ingredients to be used, and to have a reputable cake baker who they trust to make sure their facilities are clean and up to date and yada, yada, all that sort of thing. Of course, there's expectations on the part of the consumer. There's expectations on the part of all of us when we walk into any place to purchase something. Is there not? Of course there is. If those expectations are not met, then you're probably not going to sell a cake. And maybe also, maybe somebody who reaches out to them on special anniversaries to see if they might want to enjoy another cake. You know, like building a relationship with them. Good and successful designers focus on this. They focus on selling the creative vision in its entirety, the cake, and how the end results, which is eating that cake, are going to make the client feel happy, content, fulfilled, solving the problems of being hungry for a cake, whatever it may be, all of the above. This is the magical experience, if you can pull it off and have the talent, it supersedes markups, markdowns, discounts, uh, contracts, internet shopping, online pricing. Oh my God, the list can go on for, for uh, you know, a long time. You know, it, this supersedes all of the rest, doesn't it, Liz? 
It does. And it all starts at the beginning. I mean, we start laying this groundwork from the minute that someone calls us and is interested in talking about a project. And it becomes a bedrock for every single decision that we make, every email that we send, every presentation we prepare for. This is how it is that we communicate with them so that they know what to expect and we deliver on those expectations. It makes it a no-brainer because they trust us. And then we move right on through our process, smooth as butter, with them enjoying the experience and us being able to do our job without, you know, too much kickback. Yes. And I would so love, love, love Liz to forevermore dispel this myth of being transparent. Problems are averted when you position your business properly up front on your website, social media, everyone else. But most importantly, most importantly of all in your own mind. And I know that a lot of designers, a lot of small business owners are too busy doing the work in the business, being the lowest paid employee generally. I think I was making about 250 an hour when I first started out. I, I think I may have even calculated that at some time, but too many times they're, they're doing all the work inside the business that they're not really putting the right impetus inside their brain to mm-hmm. understand how to run the business. And this is what our cooking story, our cooking lesson is about today. You have to decide how you want to do business and then you do that. This does not mean dissecting the details up front in your message, but to set the right stage for the performance that's going to come later when you blow their socks off with whatever it is that you're going to do. This is a business lesson that, that designers in our field just miss out on because it's naturally not taught in any design programs. It's just not. I mean, nothing about business is taught, and it's a great tragedy, honestly. When you think about it, too, the opportunity that we have when we're working with clients is really to engage with them in an honest and trustworthy way. And of course, we all want to be able to have that kind of camaraderie with them and to make it fun and have them want to sort of be part of the experience with us. But I think that that sensibility of there needing to be more shared than what is sort of baseline just to get the job done is so detrimental because it really is almost a weak point. It's like, you feel sensitive about the fact that you have to share more because you're not doing enough on the other end, or you maybe don't have your processes in line. And so you feel like you have to be able to sort of cobble together some other reason for them to want to hire you. A big part of how we've been able to operate for many, many years, and this is again, something that Cheryl has sort of ingrained in so much of our process, is really starting from a good building block where the client understands that we have them taken care of. And the way that we operate is very smart. That's it's right. very logical. And we talk about that the, before they even hire us for the consult. That's part of our discovery call. I think that's what endears them to us because there's a safety in knowing that someone is trying to run a smart business and not just be all kind of fluffy duffy with the design part, even though you know yeah. we like to be fluffy a little sometimes too. Yeah, well, I mean, heck, you guys, we've got hats. We give every TDP person in our in our in our group when they sign up, we send them the. As a matter of fact, that reminds me, I need to have Miranda send out a couple I of. No, you guys more. need to pack up um, some good stuff. Yeah, I know we got to pack up stuff for market too. But um, that hat that says in big, huge letters to y'all, I did not. I I went bold on this, right? I went bold. We got this because I want everybody to remember that that is the attitude you need to take. That's when we talk about things like faking it till you make it, whatever. And I'm not talking about uh, in terms of, you know, what you're actually doing. You know, you want to know what you're doing clearly, but some days you just have to fake it till you make it until in terms of getting your, 
yourself together enough to go and meet with a client because they need to know that you have got this. They really do. That's what the best clients want. They need to know. And it supersedes all those other things. And I'm telling you, I've been around for 23 years. Google my name. Look me up. I haven't been sitting around with, you know, my finger up my nose for the last 23 years. I have got to have known something or I wouldn't still be in business paying these people, uh, you know, that are at our team if, if, if I didn't have sort of an idea about this. And some of these things, it took me a while to learn too. And that's why I'm here to talk to you about it. And, and one of this, these ideas is this, this idea of transparency, meaning something other than, you know, what it really means. And, and to me, it's being upfront about what you charge for services and products. If you want to explain your products are competitively priced, then of course, that's an excellent idea too, because we are competitively priced. I don't go off of there and charge people more money than, than what they can get anywhere else. Heck no, that's not a good business plan. You know, why would anybody want to do that? I mean, you know, you can charge for extra services. You can, you can charge for managing the product sales. You can do all of that, but but you have to understand the idea of the positioning. Trust Transparency is also defining what your hourly charges will entail if you uh, are due hourly or if you're a flat fee, but with very clear deliverables. And a lot of times when I'm, I'm coaching, you know, in, in years past, I would look at an LOA or a scope of work and I'd be like, I have no idea what in the world you are trying to, what you're going to do for me. If I'm the client, I have no idea from this, what you actually are going to do. What are you doing for me? Okay. Besides delivering the creative vision, what are you going to do? Are you doing drawings? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Let me add that. Are you doing uh, renderings? Are you uh, working with the contractor? Are you, you know, do, what is it that you're doing? So the deliverables have to be, you know, very, that's what you need to be transparent about. That's the quid pro quo. Hello, Mr. Client. I am going to charge you X, Y, and Z. And you pay me for that. And in turn, I am going to give you this and this and this and this. You know, and transparency is also telling a client up front, we, we give you this many revisions. And after that, you know, blank is, you know, whatever your fee is or whatever, however you handle that is charged to continue revising. Why, oh, why are there so many people on Facebook asking or talking about clients that are asking for 26th re revision? I just saw one last night. You know, my client's on like the 15th revision and I don't know how to handle that. Oh, well, you know what? The, the dog's out of the barn, the horse is out of the barn or whatever the hell that saying is because you should have done that at the beginning. That's the whole idea. That, my friends, is what being transparent is all about. It's also about billing on time, billing promptly. Of course, people need to know what they're getting for those dollar bills. You know, and I see just so many scopes that don't define this adequately. I mean, you can go on Facebook today and in forums or Instagram or wherever the heck you get your social media juju from, and you will find somebody somewhere that is asking this or is saying, you know, I, I'm on this, you know, revision. I did, it just, I, I, it boggles my mind because the first part of business is being able to be transparent about what you are selling and what the client is, is giving. I just, I don't understand it. And I think that um, part of the reason, and Liz, you could probably speak to this a, a little bit too, is that designers fail to do a proper initial consultation to determine what the heck they're being asked to deliver. Sometimes the designer even thinks they're delivering sofas and chairs. And you know what? Damn good designers know it is so much more than that. But Liz, like, you know, even on the discovery call, you are, you are setting this, this stage for this, correct? Absolutely. It's, I think, a conversation that not only 
is valuable to have, but it's critical. You know, we have spent many years, you know, kind of sorting through what the most important details are to hash out. And, you know, every so often we have changes that need to kind of be made to how we're presenting certain services or whatever it happens to be. But during the discovery call, you have this unique opportunity to start to foster that connection with someone. And I think in any business, really, I mean, as you were saying all of that, Cheryl, I'm thinking to myself, this isn't just in design. This is a smart method to consider no matter what sort of business that you're in, being able to be very clear about what it is that you offer to your customer and what it is that you're paying you for, the very, very bare basics should not be difficult to assess. And we even say this to people that if, if we can't figure that out, then we really probably shouldn't be in business. But that discovery call is our, is our opportunity to identify to them what they can expect after we've heard from them, after we've listened to what they've said about what they're looking for. So we can cater what we say to their needs. We can identify mm-hmm. that we're going to yes. be a good fit or we think that maybe this is something that could move forward. And then we can really speak to some of the concerns that may seem to be in their commentary or the things that they're not sure about in terms of how they want to proceed and really start to lay that groundwork so that they understand these people know what they're doing. They have a process that's going to work. They can speak to examples mm-hmm. that are very, very similar to mine and concerns that I have that they're going to have a process to alleviate. And I think that that uh, paired with the consult is where, you know, we really kind of win it. We, we're very, very fortunate in that. Yeah. And I, I think, t- you know, when you were talking about that, I'm, I'm thinking like, for example, when you were talking about other businesses, I'm thinking, okay, so I go into Dillard's and I'm, I'm going to buy a, a buy a dress, okay? I, I know when I go into Dillard's to buy a dress that they are very strict on their returns, okay? They make it very clear. You know, you got 30 days, this is it. If it's on sale and it's double secret sale, then you can't return it. You've got three days or whatever. They make it very clear. And I still then, I have the choice right there, right there and then I have the choice of handing over my credit card or not. You know, I have that choice. I think it's the same with, with any business. I mean, have you ever been surprised? You, you as, a, as a designer or, or Liz, or you, have you guys ever been dis- oh, yeah. surprised when, when you go to a business and, they, and, they, and it's not clear? And then you're going, scratching your head and going, wait a minute, you know, that's, that, that wasn't clear to me. How do you feel when that happens? Right. Well, you question everything. You know, you start to get concerned. It's like, well, you know, I had this guy out to fix the washing machine and I don't know what part of this is labor and what part of this is parts and it seems more expensive than it should and they want the money right away and no one outlined any of this for me before they showed up. You know, it, I think that I'm habitually, you know, catering to that obviously because I'm used to how we operate and so I like to have as much information up front as possible. But there are so many instances where, you know, you go to the store and you don't ask the people at Target, like, well, I just bought these overalls, you know, I'm not sure about these buttons, you know, how much is the price of these buttons if I want them separate? It's just not something you do. So if you can think about that conversely, you know, if you offer a really great product and people trust that what they're getting is what you're talking about, then there shouldn't be a question about any of it. There really shouldn't. And I think the, the, the biggest... The biggest obstacle really for anybody starting business, if you're new and you're listening to this, the first thing you have to do before you do anything else, other than you know, getting your education in design, and I mean education in whatever way that looks like for you, if it means school, if it means real life, if it means experience, whatever it means to you, that's important, yes. You have to be able to actually produce the work. You actually have to be able to bake the cake, right? But I think that when you are outlining a business plan, which I don't think everybody does, 
I think that a lot of designers get into design by happenstance. I don't think that they're always going on a traditional path. I think sometimes it's a side hustle and there's nothing wrong with that. I am so here to empower everybody to have it as a side hustle, but you still need to treat it like a business. A side, a, a business that's part-time, but from day one. And that mm -hmm. is the key, is that having that business plan, and you don't have to go to the Small Business Association or whatever, or administration or whatever it's called, to, to get a, a, some kind of formal business plan that's stuffy and all that. We're not a stuffy industry. You don't have to do that. You know, you can just listen to these podcasts and probably figure out enough to be able to have <laughs> a, a firm uh, business plan. Or you can join us in TDP because people are getting an education there. I think one person said something about it, um, uh, that it was the, that she said something early on that this, after reading the whole syllabus and all the things going on, this is something that you, you need to do, right? You get out of school and you need to immediately take this because you're going to learn everything you need to know to run a business. And that's the truth. You are going to mm -hmm. learn that because I am a business owner first and foremost. I'm a business owner first and foremost, and I am a designer second. And I think that all of us need to have a little bit more of that, uh, that idea that you, that you are actually running a business here. And, and one of the key things to do with that is to decide how you're going to charge. You have to have a system for that. You know, I talked early, earlier about the cake story and, the, and, and saying that I, I don't like following recipes. Well, that's true. Ask my husband, ask Liz. I don't like following recipes. But when it comes to business, I do like a recipe. And what I mean by that is having ways of doing things. I think I've talked about this in an earlier podcast too. Like this is what I'm going to do. Whether it's a newsletter, I'm going to provide this value, that value, that value, that value every single time. And that way it gives me an outline, so to speak. I'm a big outline person. What can I say? And I want to know what's happening. So in business, it's the same thing. I do have recipes, so to speak, that this is going to be, this is how we're charging. This is how we're determining that fee. You know, so we don't sit there and agonize over it. I mean, every now and again, you do anyway, let's be honest, you know, because some, there's some scopes of work that are just, wow, never saw that coming in 23 years. We had that kind of scope of work. So how are we going to charge for that? So of course that does happen without a doubt, but you have to have a, a system for attacking that problem. Okay. It's kind of like what I talked about in the overwhelm episode too, about having this sort of go-to. It makes me feel more in control. And I think that's what a lot of small business owners need is to feel that they are in control. And sometimes, especially in the last few years, it's felt like everything is out of control. So you have to figure out ways to actually be in control, right? But it's not being in control to just give all your information to a client. Now, if you want to run your business that way, more power to you. I mean, I, I'm okay with that. I think that's ludicrous. I am never going to do that in a million years. But if you want to do cost plus, or you want to do that sort of system, which again, I think is kind of archaic, a little, a little old, but I know that I have dear friends that do it and they're living usually in bigger cities maybe and all of that kind of thing. And uh, they tell me that's what's standard in the market and that's okay. But being honest here with all the love I have for this industry and small businesses in general, and I really love the whole idea of small businesses. I would love to sit and talk to small business owners about their business every single day. That would fulfill me like crazy. And, and there's so many fabulous people in our industry. You know, but if it is this way in your, in your market, you know, if this is the way it is, why don't you be the change agent for your market? Why don't you be the brave one to go and do it? I know people. I know a lot of my friends will say, well, in New York, it's not this way. You know, that's the way we do it here in New York. You know, okay, well, I have plenty of designers I have worked with that are in New York 
You know, some are working with very high-end clients, and they are not doing it that way. So I got to tell you right now, there are people that don't do it that way, but I think it's sometimes what you learn. You know, you maybe worked for Mm -hmm. a firm that did it that way or whatever, but all I want to tell you, if you want to do it that way, go ahead. Be careful you're not hurting the rest of the industry when you're doing that, though, and making sure that you're not violating vendors' terms and agreements. So if you do it, make sure that you are doing it in a way that you're not just being you know open with every single thing that is going on because transparency really has nothing to do with opening your books to your clients and that's what i'm here to say that is the point of our cooking lesson today is that that really has nothing to do with it there's so many other things that are much more important about being transparent i think to just quickly grab two things that you just said the value in a lot of this conversation is that there are lots of ways to do it, but being scope locked on thinking it has to be a certain way that you find causes constant roadblocks is probably a sign that you need to reframe the way that you're thinking about it. Because we get into these tendencies of believing that you know you do something and it's comfortable and it's that way and that's how other people are doing it and you wanna be competitive with what other people are doing. But the reality is that if the clientele that you want to work with either isn't showing up at the door or is not responding well to that, then that should be a sign that maybe something's off. And it's no offense necessarily, but it's just a good opportunity to say, maybe I could do better with this. Maybe my process isn't as clear as it could be. Maybe I need to really kind of, you know, get my ducks in a row and figure out what it is I'm offering or or offer a different service because I'm not cut out for the way that this is set up. And then the second thing And really, again, this is just like so a part of everything that has been happening lately um, with TDP and with Bob and all the different sort of avenues that we're talking with other designers is the fact that this is just so based in business. You know, there's a lot of things that we do day to day that, of course, are important from the design perspective. But at the end of the day, if what you're trying to do is to grow, you have to be able to take a step out of it and really look at what it is that your structure is holding up. And if it's not getting you where you want, then you have to take ownership over that because no one else is going to do it for you. And you cannot blame it on clients because it's not their fault. Right. That's right. And what you just said, no one else is going to do it for you. No one else is going to do it for you. You have to stop and think about this. That is a responsibility of a business owner. And let's face it, not everybody's cut out to be a business owner. Not everybody wants to do it. There are days that I would like to fire myself from doing what I do, okay? So it, there is no doubt about that, that you you have to take responsibility yourself to be able to do it. And you can, I'm not trying to tick anybody off here. I'm really not. I, 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 I think that anybody who's ever worked with me uh, as a designer or even at the shop or employees or whatever, I think they all know and clients definitely know that I, I really do care about your business and I care about small business in general. I, I just do. It's been a passion of mine for, for over 23 years, really. And I, maybe it was because I worked for a, a corporation before, a big you know Fortune 500 company, and maybe I got burned out on that. I don't know where that love of small business came, but I really do. And I really, truly believe it's the backbone of our country. But I also think that you have to, to take responsibility. I'm a little old school with that. I, I think that uh, people need to stop blaming. You know, it's a blame game. You know, we all do it. I mean, God forbid, you know, if I do it, I, I try to apologize right away because I, I just like, oh my God, I just, I just blamed, you know, I, I don't want to do that. But I think there's, a, there's a, a, a consensus sometimes in the design industry that you can blame the clients. And again, that's a whole nother podcast episode, but, but the idea of 
like Liz just said, you know, always putting it off on the clients. Well, you know what? Maybe you need to go back and look at your own process first. Maybe you need to go back and look at your, uh, your agreement. I, I remember seeing an agreement from a designer early on uh, when I was coaching, like very early on. And I never actually worked with this person. She sent me all the stuff and I looked at it and I was like, this is a hot mess. And I just, this, I, I don't, I just don't want to do this. You know, I really didn't. You know how sometimes you just have to decide that, that a client is not, you know, right for you in some way, some way or another. And you know what it said for the deliverables? I am going to design your home, period. That's what it said. And I don't think anybody here listening to that is going to do that. Okay, I think that was a one-off. I don't think that was, that's like a prevalent thing in the industry. But it's sort of one of those things. I was gobsmacked by that. You know, like, okay, I don't even know where to start with this person. I really don't. I don't know where to start because this is such a fundamental problem, not understanding what you're delivering to a client, what your quid pro quo is. And this is why I think, and again, we just had a big discussion in Small Business Think Big about hourly versus flat fees. I don't care what you do as long as you are profitable and successful. The reason we charge flat fees is because I need to project out my profit, my revenue, because I have a team to play, pay. I have a mortgage on the buildings that are on our campus here. I have responsibilities to other people. I cannot just do hourly where it may come and it may go. You know, but I think what happens is, again, that, that sort of attitude, uh, whether it's hourly or flat fees, sometimes is prevalent when you don't have as much overhead. There's nothing like a good dose of healthy overhead to make you figure out your business, right, Liz? I mean, like, I mean, think about it for a minute. You know, think about it. I was just talking to Libby about this the other day. I said, Libby, I'm not sure if you know really all the expenses the insurances and the taxes and the this and the that and the, the you know, not just payroll and, and, you know, the mortgage payment, but all these other things that actually go into a business. And so there is nothing like, you know, being going out into a studio or going out and having a retail shop or anything like that to give you uh, or hiring people, whatever it may be, to give you a really ho- healthy dose of reality of running a business. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to me, you know, that is, I mean, it, you know, that's the problem with hourly, you know, fees is that it, for me is just that I, it's, there's no defined scope of work. I think it means that, you know, if you're doing that and we do charge hourly for project management and we do have clients that we charge hourly to every now and again, you know, every now and again, because if I've got enough on the books between now and the end of the year or whatever, if I have enough on the books, I'm not as worried about it. And if there's a client that really wanted to do that, but most clients don't want to do that. And Liz can testify right. to that too. But I think that the, the, issue for me is not is is twofold i mean there's a million reasons not you know to do flat fees and not do hourly but the big thing is is that i i think sometimes it doesn't make you as good of a business owner and the reason Mm -hmm. i say that now you may be you may be the the people that do okay so i'm not calling anybody out i'm just saying it like in a general sort of way it it because it doesn't force you to actually think about all the things that liz and i talk about all the time which is how we're going to write this scope of work. How do we cover ourselves? What do we say in this? Okay, this client seems a little like, you know, like she's not getting it. Maybe we need to have another conversation with her before we actually deliver the scope of work. So to me, it's, it's, that's the, some of the issues with hourly. I mean, don't, don't you think, Liz? I mean, you know, we're, yeah. Liz, we're I going mean, completely off topic more, here, so <laughs> no. go ahead. Well, it, I think it ties back into the whole transparency conversation, though, because let's be honest, it is more work. It's more work to really look at what it is that you do in your business, to really look at how much time it takes for you to do all the things that you have to do, and then for you to turn that into something that's cogent for a client to be able to absorb and take in. It would be lovely if people would just 
trust that what, what did you say the woman said like I'm going to design your home essentially yeah I'm going to design your home. for them to just have like it somewhere it's I'm going to design have your home. all That's this deliverable. faith in what that even means but most people when you start slapping some numbers up there and say you want them to spend you know 150 dollars on an expenditure they're going to be like well you know come on now like give me a little something more than that what, I mean how many I times you had contractor yeah. bids come back that are not well detailed that have big numbers on them and they feel the same way yeah. so it just it really boils back down to this idea that you are going to have to put in more work to figure out what a flat fee might be or to figure out mm -hmm. what your deliverables are going to be. But it gives not only your work client up more it's assurance. work up front. Yeah, it's, right. it's work up front. But it makes you a better business owner. Yes, and it's so much easier to sell when you're having to talk to someone and explain why it is that you do things the way that you do. If you've sorted that all out, you've got your, your whole you know, map to get to the treasure chest. It makes yes. it much, much easier to be yes. able to really get them engaged. Yes. So, and, and if I don't know. I mean, us, I know it, not everyone has to do it that way, but. No, and you really don't. I mean, I know very successful people and there's a lot of people that don't want to scale either. I get it. Oh, y'all, there are days I really get it. So I understand that. Okay. I have always wanted a team right from the beginning, because quite frankly, I'm a little lazy in certain areas and I don't want to do all the work. Okay. But the truth is, is that I love the camaraderie. Even on the days where I'm ready to kill people, I still, I love the camaraderie. I love it when we have a design meeting, a design direction meeting, we have ideas and people are bringing up things. I love going up and seeing what Livy has, has crafted, what, what her and Liz have put together for a particular client and then being able to add my own juju to it. I, I love all that. So that's always something I've wanted, but it's no, 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 you know, shame in the game. If you don't want that, that's fine. And then you might be able to do just hourly, but let's face it, you know, without selling products and, and doing higher, larger fees, you're not going to scale real big because it's hard to do. And you can't have a full, my team people are full time. Okay. They're all full time. There's not like a part-time VA assistant person that's working 10 hours a week. That's not what I call having a team, you know, of the level I'm speaking about right now and why you would need to do flat fees and, and to be transparent, but transparent about how you're charging. And if a client asks us, why do you do flat fees? I'm going to tell them that too. We, we go through that in our, in our visual scope of work. We go through exactly, you know, why do we do a minimum expenditure? This is why, Mrs. Client. Why do we do a, uh, a flat fee? This is how we feel about it. And I'm telling you, I am, I'm in a smaller city. I mean, this is not like we're in some sophisticated metropolitan place. So if I can do it here, then you can do it too. We, we have to do this. We charge for our initial consultation. And I, I'm here to say, again, another podcast, but I'm here to say for everybody, they need to do that too. There's, if you buy into the, the idea of not doing that, I need you to email me and I will give you all the reasons why that's hogwash. Okay, hogwash. And I know there's people out there, coaches, whatever, business people that, that espouse that. I think it's crazy. And if I can charge, if we can charge 550 to 650 for initial consultation that is not doing design, because we don't do that. We don't go out with our fabric books and the things, listen to the initial consult uh, episode, our very first episode. We don't do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. We would just do it as a different service. It wouldn't be what I call initial consultation. That's what I mean by that. But we're not going out there for that and we are charging and we have not one time, you know, knock on glass here, have ever had anybody complain about what they're getting from that because we're selling it. We're selling it. And we're in an area that is, this is a very modest uh, place in terms of cost of living. I don't know, maybe not so much anymore, but it has been, uh, we're in the we're in the South. It's just you know one of the lower cost of living places. So so people you know don't expect to pay twenty five dollars for a Starbucks. You know what I mean? That it's their expectations are different. But we have no problem now. Granted, we do work up and down the Gulf Coast and even as far away as New Jersey. But 
uh, in California, in San Diego. I guess we're, we're bi-coastal, Liz. I never even thought yeah. about that. Uh, but, but, the th- but the truth is, again, I'm just, we're just a regular design firm. I'm not anything like this big, you know, there's, I don't have my name on fabrics and do all, I don't have any desire to do any of that. This is not, this is just, we're just like you. And if we can do that, then so can you on, initial, on the initial consult. And it's the same mindset as what we're talking about here with the rest of it, is that you can figure out a flat fee. And, and it will force you to become a better business owner when, when you do. And I think that's just super important. Okay, Liz, anything last that you want to wrap up with this before we get to our damn good truth? Oh, I think we're in good shape. Okay, I think it's good too. It's supposed to be only a half hour show, so we kind of might have gone over a little bit there, just getting off on that tangent. I am, could sit there and talk about that all day long, but I can't because I have work to do and I got to get to market. So here is our damn good truth, and it's a fairly simple one to wrap it all up. Being transparent means setting forth pricing, terms, and deliverables in a clear and a concise agreement, not inviting a client to ride shotgun in your dang business office. And quite frankly, clients don't even care. That's right. You heard me say it right here for time immortal. They are not focused on the parts and pieces if you are not focusing on the parts and the pieces. And most importantly, if you are doing your job and delivering the most fabulous mouthwatering, drive across the town and rush hour traffic, tasty cake. They will come back for another cake. I guarantee it. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the infamous cake story. And that's now also immortalized in audio forever. Uh, Please save it. And I want you to listen to it anytime you need a little boost. Okay, just listen when you need a little boost and and think about, you know, what we're saying here with with this sort of uh, simplistic way of talking about, um, you know, this cooking lesson. I mean, just do it when you need a boost. Uh, check out the damngooddesigner.com if you want any more information. Uh, and if you want to take a second, uh, if you like what you hear and leave us a rating so we can keep bringing it to you, we really would appreciate that. We are intentionally grateful for all the great things that people have said so far. And we just would like to keep it coming and we appreciate you we really do until next time stay bold stay inspired and keep embracing your bag girl spirit if you've enjoyed today's show head over to join the community at damngooddesigner.com to continue the conversation and sign up for our newsletter 